Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Monday, October 10th. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by absolutely nobody. That means we have an opening, though. I mean, can somebody get chubbies on the horn here? Where, what are we doing? Let me get, let's get some let's get some chubbies pop on the show. Uh, Scott is here. Scott Pinowski, as he is every single Sunday night to recap all of the action. Scott, what is the proper length of a man's uh, set of shorts? There is a right answer to this. I wish I knew that. All, all I know is this. You know, when you get older, all the stuff that you didn't want to do as a kid, you want to do now. Like, you didn't want to take naps. You want to take naps. I didn't want to eat my broccoli. I love broccoli now. When I was a kid, I wanted to wear shorts all the time. Now, as an adult, I actually prefer to wear long pants. Oh, man. I'm I'm going the opposite, I guess, as, uh, as I'm, I'm getting older that I never You are Peter Pan. You are living the Peter Pan life for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that might be the truth of it. But then again, maybe I'll hit, like, a curve at some point and come back down. Who knows? But anyways, yeah. Welcome to the show. Week five, it was a wild one. We got a lot of stuff to get into, so let's just jump right into it, not waste any time. Scott, I love how at this point now in the recaps, and it, honestly in the previews too, it's like, man, we got to get to the Seahawks right away, and we sure do have to get to the Seahawks and the Saints right away. First game up, New Orleans 39, Seattle 32. Scotty, what do you got on this game, man? Yeah, this game came in hot, stayed hot. You know, the Lions didn't do their carnival act, but Seattle sure did. And look at the Saints. We have to, as a fantasy industry and as fantasy players, change this way we look at Taysom Hill. He's a blow-up game, three run rushing touchdowns, throws for a touchdown. I don't care about snap shares with Taysom Hill. I don't care how often he's on the field. He's like a hockey player who only plays in the power play. He's like a baseball player who only hits in Coors Field with people on base. When he's on the field, he's probably touching the ball, or there's a very high chance of it. And he's the best goal line back on the team. You know, Alvin Kamara is still a useful player, but when they need to plow in from in close, Taysom Hill's the best option they have. So I don't want to hear anything about snaps with this guy. Just like last year when Cordero Patterson was a low snap guy, but when he was on the field, they were using him like crazy. It's like, we'll steer into that. And by the way, another multiple position eligibility guy. I think I only have one Taysom Hill share, and I could have played him over a myriad of players who I didn't play him over, and I, it may cost me the game. But I think the Saints have seen the light, and they can't turn back now. Seattle is what? You know, we want from fantasy teams. They have a quarterback in Geno Smith who's 
at least competent, maybe competent plus. He's having a great season. He presses the ball to the people we want, Metcalf and, and Lockett. Backfield's been good. I hate to see Penny get hurt, but Kenneth Walker broke off a long touchdown run late in that game. So I think Seattle is, I mean, last week I, I threw all the roses at the, the Lions for being the best carnival in the NFL, most points, most points allowed. But Seattle's like right right there. They can score and, and they have confidence and they have swagger on offense and they can't stop anybody. It's not like the Saints have a great offense. We all love Alave. And I did say a lot of nice things about Taysom Hill, but I mean, it's not like this is the Drew Brees, Sean Payton Saints. So let's just keep rocking and rolling with those Seattle games because there's a lot more fantasy production to come. Scott, I, like you, have one Taysom Hill team, and it's a Superflex Dynasty uh, league where he has tight end eligibility now, obviously, mm-hmm. because that's like he doesn't yeah. he plays. Yep, yep. And and I I really don't want to open up like the position eligibility d- debates and the wars and all that stuff, but I did start him at my tight end spot this week, Scott, in this Dynasty league because Kyle Pitts was injured. And I mean, Kyle, you put up more points than I could probably hope for Kyle Pitts to score in any game ever in human history, Taysom Hill. And and I, I'll that say- That was I, very rude of you. You're <laughs> supposed to play another player to score zero <laughs> points to match Kyle Pitts. That's what people have been doing all over the fantasy, you know, all over the interwebs, right? People are showing uh, the rotten tight end that they played this week and how he basically did what Kyle Pitts did. Nothing. And I, yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest. I, like I said, I don't want to open up the positional eligibility thing, but I looked at the lineup afterwards and I was like, that feels a little dirty. Like that doesn't that feels like something I shouldn't have been able to get away with. But but obviously he doesn't do those touchdowns like he could have like a, a 3.8 day instead of I'm pretty sure it's like 37 points in this league, which is just absolutely absurd. I, I think I have like 247 points total. It's it's just a, a, absolutely out of control. The whole Taysom Hill thing. So I have to confess this. I have to confess my Taysom Hill team. I'm looking at it now and I'm very depressed by this. I could have played him over Chase Edmonds. I don't know how I missed that. The thing is, I have Dallas Goddard, so I was never going to play Taysom Hill over him. I love Dallas Goddard. We know Arizona can't stop the tight end. We'll get to that game later. But I could have benched Chase Edmonds, which would have been perfectly plausible. I could have benched Antonio Gibson. I could have benched Alan Lazard, who did fine. But you know, I mean, the play was benching Chase Edmonds, and we'll talk about that later. Sure. I, I Just to put a bow on the Taysom Hill thing, I do think because he has eligibility at like a tight end, at flex, whatever – um, and if you're playing in these formats where you're you're throwing out some kind of like fringe names, right? At best, like Lazard is a fringe startable name. Um, Chase Edmonds is fall, has fallen below that. We know that at this point. But like Antonio Gibson, fringe startable name. Um, I do wonder, and this is where it's going to get hairy because of the eligibility stuff. Like I do wonder that as long as Jameis is out, and maybe even when Jameis is back too. I'm also, by the way, not 100% convinced that they just go right back to Jameis Winston due to the New Orleans Saints. But I kind of feel like this Taysom Hill stuff is not going away. It's certainly not going away from like the the goal line back stuff. Um, like he just he's a good player. And, you know, I always thought it was a little silly that people gave Taysom Hill so much crap and gave Sean Payton so much crap about the Taysom Hill stuff. And it certainly got a little out of control at, at, at certain times. But now that they're just basically kind of having him be a gadget player, he's very, very good in that role. And like Sean Payton is a no longer there, but he's the guy that brought Taysom Hill into this. And and Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in NFL history, right? So probably should give him a little slack for the fact that he thought this guy might bring something to the table. So we are, I I'll, think I'll be have fair. Those... You, you go through my old timeline. You'll, I'm sure at times when they took Drew Brees off the field to play Hill, I'm sure I criticized it and you could old takes expose me at some point. Cause Sean Payton, you're totally right. Brilliant offensive mind, but he also has a little bit of the vanity that he wants to remind yes, you how smart sure. he is. 
So there's some of that. And I thought it was a little bit overly, you know, the fancy play syndrome sometimes when they took Breeze off the field to, to show you their Taysom Hill package. But I, I give. I gave a long time ago. Peyton was right. Taysom Hill is a useful player. You can't live on a diet of Taysom Hill. He's like he's like a relief pitcher. You know, you get to spot him the 50, 60 innings, you're going to use him. But it, it's a it's a working thing, and we're going to see more of it. Yeah, and especially now because they're taking the ball out of Andy Dalton's hands, not Drew Brees' hands, I think they'll be perfectly yeah. content to do more Taysom Hill stuff. Um, you mentioned Chris Olave. Keep an eye out for the fact that he got a concussion, left the game on a touchdown that I'm honestly surprised they – overturned back to being a touchdown when uh, they ruled it incomplete on the field. He's just a baller, man. Such a good player. Looks awesome out there. Hopefully he can come back um, ASAP uh, because he just looks incredible. On the Seahawks side of this, man, I'm telling you, those numbers for Geno, too, like three pass touchdowns, 268 yards. He earned those too. He looked awesome dropping some, you know, passes in the bucket to Tyler Lockett. And it's amazing that uh, Scott, whoever plays with Tyler Lockett just ends up becoming the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. Cause Lockett is that good. Yeah, man. Is Seattle ever winning that breakup? Uh, also, I, I just want to throw a bone to Alvin Kamara, who I've been down on all season, had a monstrous game, 29 touches, just under 200 total yards. If you're a Camara manager, you're frustrated he didn't get any touchdowns, and he they, they may not be coming soon because they have other options now. But um, I've been pretty harsh on Camara, and he had a great game against, albeit against the Seattle team that gives it away. You know, I feel like I say this every week. We're going to look back and say Lockett was one of the steals of the draft season, and yeah. Metcalf at least is going to outkick his coverage at ADP. They were right answers. Lockett was a screaming right answer, and Metcalf was the right answer. And and I I have some of it. I, I just wish I had a lot more of it because Geno Smith. I mean, right now, I mean, you would take Geno Smith. Russell Wilson might be hurt. You know, we're not going to talk about, thankfully, talk about the Broncos today. But um, you would take Geno Smith in a fantasy league. If you had Geno Smith and somebody offered you Russell Wilson, you'd be like, stop texting me. Don't <laughs> lose my phone number. Don't, you know, I have the internet too, man. Geno, Geno Smith is one of the quarterbacks we can trust right now. I mean, this is the great thing about fantasy. You, you go to some very strange places, and that's where I'm at. Geno Smith, circle of trust. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was like one of my last few round picks in the Scott Fishbowl. And I'm like mm. thanking my lucky stars. I ended up taking him because he's my QB2 every single week. And I agree with you on that um, point. Uh, obviously, Andy and I will talk more about the Seahawks running back situation with Ken Walker on the waiver show, everything like that. But man, I really feel for Rashad Penny, fractured tibia, you know, probably going to need surgery. He just had a quote last week, you know, about how how he felt he was letting the fans down uh, by getting hurt all throughout the early portion of his career. So really feel for that guy. But uh, let's move on to the next game here. Chargers 30, Browns 28. Really interesting um, game overall. Uh, I saw Next Gen Stats put out that this was like the first time two different players gained 70-plus rushing yards over expectation in the same game since 2018. Our guy, Austin Eckler, was the most. Uh, Nick Chubb was right there, plus 70 as well. Eckler ends up with 20 touches, 199 total yards, two total touchdowns. All the weeping and gnashing of teeth from the first three weeks has pretty much been erased by two monster games for Eckler here to start uh, start the rest of the way. I mean, I don't know much to add about Eckler other than he's great. He's great on the pod. He's great on the football field. Do take note that Josh Kelly had 10 carries and a touchdown and has at least marked his territory as the number two option here. So if you're I'm – I'm not really an insurance guy at, at running back. I like to get the – the backups for other people's running backs. But if you're speculating, if, if Eckler were to miss time, who would be the guy? We have to assume by the usage that Joshua Kelly has moved into that chair. So that's that's worth noting. I just love watching Nick Nick Chubb's my favorite running back to watch in the league right now. Just so fluid. Uh, he's 
you average over five yards of carry for his entire career. It's funny because I was kind of calling Penny the, the the poor man's chub the last couple of weeks. Um, maybe it was last week, and now we're not going to have Penny for a while. But I'm just so excited to see the Browns, you know, getting Chubb unleashed and and you know, follow the money can work and cannot work. I'll, I'll give you an example of it not working later in the show. But if you follow the money with David and Joku, he's terrific. In a year where yeah. there's no right answers at tight end other than just a couple of guys, David and Joku is no longer like a start sick question. He's like, yeah, I got him. I'm playing him. I'm loving it. And and I realize there's, there's a you know a rock we don't want to turn over right now, but the, the Browns may eventually have a better quarterback later in the season, you know, with all the stuff that comes with that. So David Njoku, uh, he's just not just in the circle of trust. I mean, he, he's got a, you know, extra privileges. He's in the executive dining room and, you know, executive washroom and all that stuff. I, uh, I have a fair amount of Njoku because um, I'm a Frank Schwab friend. I know he talked up Njoku before the season. You guys were talking about him on the preview show. So Frank got me doing Joku in a couple of leagues, and I'm feeling great about that because tight end is just brick, 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 brick. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like if you have David and Joku, you better feel pretty great right now at this point. Um, I, I was also going to say, you know, I, I really was ready to trust Gerald Everett. It was frustrating to see him. I don't know if he got hurt in this yeah. game. He only had two targets and one catch. You know, look, every tight end's going to have some games like that, especially the, the secondary tight ends. But I would have thought before before this week you said Everett or Njoku. I would have said, well, I like them both, but Everett for the quarterback, you know, for being tied to Herbert. Now I just have to think that maybe just Njoku being younger and more dynamic of a player, maybe that was the right answer all along. There's a team. Oh my god, there's a team that uh, I had. I drafted David Njoku, dropped him after week one, and picked up Gerald Everett. So that sucks. <laughs> uh, boy, what a fun time uh, fantasy football is. I was going to ask you about Amari Cooper, who. I feel like is the ultimate. We'll talk about Gabe Davis later in the show, like another just ride the waves type of guy at wide receiver because the highs can be so high. Um, Amari Cooper, obviously coming off a one catch performance against the Falcons last week, but he's now had uh, double digit targets in three of five games this year. He gets in the in the box again. Uh, he he's a guy that look. He certainly has a very low floor because. He, I think he's a volatile player. I think he's an inconsistent player, but also he's playing on a run-heavy team. But I feel like he's a guy that you kind of want to break ties in favor of starting unless you're absolutely loaded. I mean, you want to talk about a narrow passing tree. They basically threw to three guys today. They threw to Peoples-Jones. They threw to Njoku. They threw to Cooper. They don't throw. They they have never wanted to throw to Chubb that much. They only had three targets for Hunt. So at least, I know the first week they said that Cooper was open if you watched the All-22, but uh, Brissett couldn't find him. For the most part, Cooper showed up every week. If we give him credit for being open in week one, he's going to be he's I think he's a lower end wide receiver, too, right now. He's somebody who's probably too good to be in start sick questions anymore, unless you're in a very shallow league, because Brissett has been competent enough. And again, do they want to throw the ball a lot? No. But when they throw it, it's probably going to one of three guys. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Next game up here. Eagles 20 Cardinals 17. I mean, the Eagles give us kind of what we expect. At this point, um, although obviously A.J. Brown, bit of a slower uh, game, Devontae Smith, bit of a higher game. But I wanted to talk about the Cardinals here real quick, because look, the Cardinals, they, they're they not a good team, right? They stink. But Kyler Murray, I wouldn't say is playing his best ball this year. But Marquise Brown, you know, was a guy that I kind of went back and forth a bit, you know, coming into this offense. But Marquise Brown looks pretty awesome for this team right now. He has eight catches again today, scores another touchdown and kind of quietly. Rondale Moore puts up another decent game here. He ran a route on 93% of the team dropbacks, which was tied for Zach Ertz for second on the team. Marquise Brown ran a route on every single dropback. You know, eight targets for Rondale Moore, seven catches for 68 yards. He's at least kind of 
I mean, this was another like puny little air yard game for him, 2.3 air yards per target. But I feel like Rondell Moore is kind of getting into a guy that's like, okay, like if you have to consider throwing him out there in your flex, you're, you're feeling pretty good about it right now. Yeah, you know, I'll start with Hollywood. I blew it with, with Hollywood Brown. He was one of my most drafted players last year. And this year he, he goes to Arizona, the, the college hookup and all that. And I think I let my the poor taste in my mouth about Cliff Kingsbury, just not trusting him at all. And the way Kyler Murray's season ended, we know he was reluctant to run. He was hurt in the second half of the year. I just thought this team's moving in the wrong direction. They were the last team. People are going to forget this. They were the last team to lose last year. You know, they, they were the the Miami Dolphins champagne team. Mm-hmm. They were 7-0, I think yeah. it was at one point. <laughs> ben, is that, I mean, NFL seasons are like dog years, right? They just It seems like it was five years ago, but it, it was just last year. So I did not want to proactively, uh, you know, again, Frank talk, uh, talked me into James Conner in one league. I had Zach Ertz in some tight end leagues, but I wasn't proactive with Murray. I wasn't drafting Hollywood. I think Hollywood was the right answer. Now the question is, what happens when they get DeAndre Hopkins back? I, I think what's what they're doing with with Hollywood is too good. I think that this the toothpaste is out of the tube now. It's it's not going back. The genie's out of the bottle. He's going to be playable the rest of the year. Now, they had asked, I think I mean, I heard this again from, from you and, and Schwab on Thursday, about Kyler, how come you're not running more? And he's like, oh, well, I, mean, I do what they asked me to do, which is ca- kind of taking a, a shot at Kingsbury, throwing him under the bus. Only four rushing attempts for Murray in this game. He does run for 42 yards. I feel like this offense has been mostly just Kyler run around, make stuff up, use your athleticism. We know yep. he's a smaller quarterback that doesn't always lead to, court, to, to pocket play. I still don't like the card. I'm glad they got the money, you know, uh, against the spread. Also, man, that Dallas Goddard receiving prop was in the 40s against the Arizona seam coverage. I mean, <laughs> giving away money, man. I'm sorry I didn't uh, I didn't get a little bit more aggressive on that, although everything's easy when it wins. I mean, you know, you hate your life when it doesn't. But <laughs> sure, <laughs> Arizona, Arizona, man, I I think I see your Rondell Moore take. That, that's taken under advisement. I think Hollywood's good to go the yeah. rest of the year. Whatever. It's about telling you anything you don't know. Hollywood Brown managers didn't come to this podcast to tell them they were right. I just wish I was riding there with you. I still don't really trust Kyler. I don't trust trust King Cliff Kingsbury. And at least the Eagles, look, they only score 20 points. And I know it's frustrating. When, it, when the quarterback runs in a touchdown, what he basically does is gives the Heisman to everybody else on the offense because nobody else can score with that. So, okay, take it on the chin, A.G. Brown manager. But look at how narrow, look at how small this box score is, how narrow this usage is. Yeah, Brown's going to be fine. We, we talk about riding the waves with receivers. Goddard had a big game. Sanders got a bunch of usage. The Eagles are still undefeated. They have probably the best offensive line in football. I ranked them number one in my power rankings last week for fantasy. And I, you know, even though Buffalo went crazy, I would still rank Philadelphia number one because I think they give us the most playability of any fantasy roster every week, no matter who the opponent is. Yeah, I don't want to hear any complainer about anybody that's got A.J. Brown on their fantasy team, right? Like, you've been riding high up until this point. Like, you get 32 yards. Like, hey, guess what? That That's going to happen, okay? Um, but pretty much feel great about this, uh, this this entire offense, really. And, like, Devontae Smith is kind of – it wasn't quite as extreme as Tyler Lockett because Lockett legitimately dropped to, like, the 11th round in some, like, industry drafts I was in. But – Devontae Smith, and I, I will cop to this. I dra- ended up drafting a lot of Tyler Lockett, not as much Devontae Smith, because I didn't give myself enough wiggle room to be like, this guy, Devontae Smith, is a stud. He is so, so, so good. But I'm I'm a little worried about the offensive construction, you know, the quarterback play, even if I like Hurts, like how much can he really give us? The lack of imagination on Devontae Smith caused me to miss out on that guy despite liking the talent and I think it happened with Lockett in a way too like these guys that are sort of I don't think either one of them is a traditional number two receiver I think they are 
a 1B receiver to the 1A in their offense. And when the quarterback outkicks expectations by this drastic of a degree and the offense outkicks like the thought we had about the design of it, you can just create these super values at these number two receivers or these 1B receivers. And I feel like that's a lesson I'm taking away from the early part of this year. Uh, Well said. All right, next game up here, we got Cowboys 22, Rams 10. Oh, dude. I mean, the Rams stink, Scott. This is rough. I don't I do I do not know how they are going to field a functional offense this year with that offensive line. You know, I loved Dallas plus the points all week, and I was saying to Schwab afterwards, I, I don't know why I didn't have Dallas money line, because I thought this line looked stupid. What Dallas is great at is what the Rams aren't good at, right? And Dallas's yeah. defense was a horrible matchup for the Rams. We saw the Rams get exposed against the 49ers the previous week on Monday in front of everybody. We know the Rams don't really have a home field. I'm sure this crowd was was heavily Dallas-weighted. Oh, yeah. The Rams are Cooper Cup being great. And and, and he's not even, like, great to the level. Co- Cooper Cup is, like, the, the, the only thing that Matthew Stafford trusts right now because he doesn't trust his protection. He doesn't trust his secondary receivers. He doesn't trust his own body. He does trust Cam those Akers. Tyler Higby screen targets, though. Like right. The yeah. Worst so you're playing, player. you're playing cup every week and he'd go, you know, one, two or three in a redraft. Okay, fine. And you play Higby because tight end is so gross. The fact that Higby's got like, you know, six for 52 on the table every week that that's good at tight end. Yeah, it's playable at tight end. It won't win you anything, but it's, it'll keep you ahead of half the league. And occasionally he may catch a touchdown. Um, I don't even want to talk about Allen Robinson. It's too depressing. Yes, you should cut him. It just, you know, time father time is undefeated, man. It's just, what can I say? And plus, he's walking into the worst version of the Rams. He's walking yeah. through Stafford, not confident, maybe hurt. Offensive line, really struggling. And it's just Stafford has to lean on what he trusts, which is Cup. So everything, this whole team is run like it's a Pop Warner team. And, and Cooper Cup's father is the coach. Cup's great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But his usage doesn't make sense. You need to have other pitches. You can't throw you the same pitch every time. And I, I mean, they scored 10 points today. I feel like they could have played three more hours and, and still have 10 points. That's how great the Dallas defense was. Unfortunately, Dallas on offense played like they knew the Rams could win. You know, we, we talk a lot with Kyle Shanahan when the Niners get a lead, they kind of put the game on ice and they start running clock and just pounding away and they're not going to throw the ball aggressively. Dallas knew they could play that way when they got the lead. So they, they played slow and they, they slowed down. Usually they usually do play at a pretty good pace, but they knew they could unplug this game and win it. And that's what they did. We're, just going to have to wait. Tony, The Tony Pollard thing may never happen because Zeke's on a long deal, making big money. Uh, Pollard breaks off the long run today. Lamb was okay. I guess Dalton Schultz is somebody I have to give up on. I had hopes for him. I'm, I don't know. Dak's coming back, so maybe that's not the right take. Did get hurt again in this game, though, so just injuries are Did he? Okay. Yeah. I missed that. So I, I, I just knew that I, I – what, they throw 16 passes? They threw for 100 yards or so? I mean, they knew their defense. I, I don't blame them either. When the Rams' offense looked that horrible – you, you might as well just I mean, they had a, a give up run on third and seven late in that game just wanting to run the clock and, and say okay here's the ball ramps you, you can score twice go do it and you, they obviously couldn't so drop robinson you can't play acres I, I, you know what in a shallow league i think you could even drop cam acres that may sound yeah. a little bit reactionary but I, I, I just don't see any upside here no there's i don't think there's a lot of upside i think mcveigh has to like and we've seen him do this at certain times in his coaching era like during the jared goff years completely reimagine like the offense kind of on the fly even even at times last year with Stafford like they had to switch things up and I feel like we're getting to that point with this offense I mean 
they had Stafford under center on like 40% of his snaps. Like, what is the point of going under center if you're Matthew Stafford right now and dropping back like five, six, seven steps or whatever? By the time you get to that fifth step on your drop back, like you're getting creamed at this point. So um, I, I feel like they have to really completely reimagine things on the fly. And that's the only way they can possibly do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough with the Rams right now because it pretty much is just – it's as simple as what you said. It's it's Cup and it's Higby, and that's all that we got there. You um, know what they, they're getting, what they really need. And it was it's awful that they had that Niners game on Monday and then they had to come around on a short week. They play the they play the Panthers. You know, credible defense, obviously, the Panthers' offense yeah. is a joke. Then they get their bye week. They they are screaming for a bye. I know. So their line it. keeps getting hurt, too. That's what makes yeah. it really rough. They're They're bad and injured. Right, so they're they're getting the buy at the right time in in week seven. I also want to just point I'm going to write about this this week, but week six is bye weeks starting. There's only two teams off next week. This is where your this is your trading season. This is where you take stock. You know uh, how many points have I scored? Do, where do I deserve to be in the standings? How strong is my roster? I have a buddy of mine who's, who's zero and four, and he's got the second most points in his league. Shout out to Jim if you're listening. He's got he's got Hurts, he's got Barkley, he's got this roster to die for, and an unbelievable bench. But he's just run really unlucky. And I told him you don't need to do anything. If anything, you could probably upgrade some of your bench guys into better starters. But just keep scoring points. Hopefully, you'll get some better luck going forward. But there's nothing wrong that you've done. Nobody wants to trade in September. You draft your team. You think it's great. Nobody's hurt yet. Once we hit bye week season, you got hurt guys. You get guys who aren't playing. You have teams with bad records. This is when trades not only start happening, but this is when people start making mistakes. They start cutting guys they shouldn't. They start trading guys because they need to win right away, and they can't wait around for St. Brown. He's not playing in week six. They they need to win now, so they'll, maybe they'll trade to St. Brown off a quiet game at the, at the wrong time. So bye weeks are – this is the uh, elicitor for trades. This is where people have incentive to actually make changes because the record will get in their head and the unavailability of players will get in their head. So I want you to take advantage of that. That's great advice. Uh, I also had a buddy today, shout out to David Thomas, if he is listening, telling that he's 0-4 and is running to literally the highest score every single week, right? And I was like, Unbelievable. and it, look, that, that's the game, dude. Like that, that's what happens, right? Like it, it, it can, it can be like that sometimes. And you know, some of it's injuries, some of it's bad luck, stuff like that. So I agree. Like you definitely have to take stock of your roster and like, don't give up. But you always got the people who are like, I'm, you know, my season's over, whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be over. You can at least, even if you're not going to go the distance, you can at least go down fighting, right? And I actually feel like these Cowboys, you know, interestingly enough, are a team that, if you're obviously, I think everybody knows Dak is coming back, right? Like, he might be back as soon as next week. But nevertheless, I feel like all of these guys, like Zeke, is going to look much, much better when Dak is back there. I think because. That they'll probably be in position to score more touchdowns. Like as much as Cooper Rush has kept the ship afloat, he hasn't lost yet as a starter. Um, as much as he's kept the ship afloat, it's pretty clear that they're kind of cutting things down to the basic. And now I, I think they could cut things back to the basics a little more with Dak and like just be overall more efficient because Dak is a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. Don't want to hear any arguments to the to the contrary. Um, so like CeeDee Lamb's gonna look a lot better when Dak is back. Michael Gallup is gonna look a lot better uh when Dak is back. 89.5% uh, route participation for Michael Gallup this week had one crazy catch down the sideline, five targets overall, you know, eight targets for CeeDee Lamb. He's the only player in the NFL, I saw JJ Zacharyson put this out, that has had a 30% target share in every single game this year. You know, like he's he's out Cooper Cup in Cooper Cup, right? In in some aspects. So all these guys I think are good trade targets because they will be better here in the next few weeks, at least from a touchdown perspective. Yeah, the octane of the offense will be better. And so it will raise all the boats in the offense for sure. All right, Bills 38, Steelers 3. My God, the Steelers got taken to the woodshed, uh, mostly on the back of Gabe Davis, who 
We talked a lot with Frank. We talked a lot about Dalton with with Gabe Davis this week, like what the deal was. You know, he was in the basement in terms of targets per route run was Gabe Davis, but it was also very clear he wasn't healthy, got in full participation in practice this week. And look, I think Gabe Davis is going to be a ride the waves player like Scott. He's never going to pop in your target share league. He's never going to pop in the targets per route run league, but he's not going to stop running those routes. Josh Allen's not going to stop existing. So who really cares? Yeah, he's a guy that we 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 need to feel confident he's close to 100% to play him. But we had that, I think we had that endorsement this week. We knew that he was ready to go. And the Bills passed to set up the pass. One of my worst calls of the week was believing that Devin Singletary's role the last two weeks would carry over. And then I watched Buffalo scoring like, you know, it was just like crazy. And, and Singletary was hardly involved. And in fact, I couldn't believe how late they kept Josh Allen in this game. And yeah. the fact that Josh Allen was running the ball when the game was so far out of hand, which I just think is reckless. Buffalo, you are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, probably the favorite right now. And it all goes kablooey if Josh Allen gets hurt. you got to save him from himself when these games are out of hand. You know, Kenny Pickett didn't have a 30-point comeback. He's not Frank Reich. This is not you know, the 1990s or whatever it was. So I, I, I'd hate to see Buffalo get an injury at a time. You have to finish the game out. I get it. But it just seems reckless to have Allen doing that thing. But I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Singletary, man. I, I thought he – all I wanted was double-digit touches, right? I wasn't expecting 23 touches or 25 touches or even goal line equity. I know that Allen's kind of their goal line back, and they're probably going to throw for their touchdowns anyway. But to see him not even get the 10 touches in a game like this, because Buffalo – you know, we talked about teams that when they get the lead will – you know, put it on ice and run the ball and, and, and kind of just bleed the game away. You know, Buffalo's stepping on your throat, throwing the ball even more, yeah. which is fun and exciting, but that doesn't fit into Singletary. I, I think I had him a tier too high and, and I had him get in the circle of trust privileges probably prematurely. That, that was a bad call on my part. Also, I know some people ask me Gabe Davis or questions in the start sit. I might have given out a few Gabe Davises, but I'm sure I told a couple people not to play Gabe Davis because I liked their other option. And then I immediately felt sick to my stomach when Gabe Davis scores a 98-yard touchdown like three minutes into this game or whatever it was. So here's the bottom line. Buffalo's got the best, the most reliable passing game in the league right now. If Gabe Davis is clear of the injury report, I want you to proactively play him the rest of the season. I know that it's screamingly obvious now, but... He's not a start sick guy for me anymore. If he's as long as he's on the injury report, man, I, I you want a piece of this offense, and he's going to make enough splash plays. Yeah, he he won't be the target monster. He won't be the routes run monster, but he's going to be an important part of the best passing offense in the NFL, and that's good enough. Yeah, like you might get a three for twenty three in your lineup one of those times, but you also might put this on your bench, like what we got here in week five, and you never want to put this on your bench. Um, I think part of the problem for Devin Singletary was that, like. The last couple of weeks, Gabe Davis was clearly hobbled. You know, Isaiah McKenzie, Jameson Crowder in and out of the lineup. Um, Kalish Shakir gave him something as their number three receiver, 72% route participation, uh, 16.6 air yards per target. I really like Khalil Shakir. I don't know how long he's going to hold a roll down because, you know, McKenzie could be back at some point. But, you know, definitely got to keep your eye on it, in it for a team that even when Jamison Crowder was, was was healthy, they were splitting snaps with him and Isaiah McKenzie. So, I mean, Josh Allen, just anybody attached to Josh Allen is going to be good. Um, on the Steelers side, man, I mean, I don't have too, too much on this. Like, this was kind of a throwing Kenny Pickett's to the Wolves, uh, Wolves m- moment for his first start. Pretty much middle of the pack in terms of EPA per drop back, 6.98 air yards per attempt, which is for the Steelers and decent. But, um, you know, I will say this. My one takeaway from their passing game was George Pickens, despite all the excitement this week, 
still struggling to separate from Chase Claypool, fewer routes than Chase Claypool, fewer targets than Chase Claypool. And, you know, Deontay Johnson ends up with 155 air yards and a 26% target share. So um, I'm not going to totally judge the Steelers here in their passing game, but I did at least want to ask you about Najee Harris, Scott, because like that, that's a guy that has been one of the clear wrong answers so far, only 43% uh, of the snaps today. And I, and I some of it might've been that they were pulling him because, like the Steelers were pulling guys before the Bills were pulling guys and they were the losing team. Um, but so some might the, that might be that they're playing Jalen Warren a little bit more because it was a blowout. But still, Jalen Warren's like mixed into here a little more than folks, I think, would have thought going into the year. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good for Harris. I mean, the Buccaneers, Dolphins, Eagles coming up, Saints. Oh. This was part of the idea of why maybe they wanted to hold off on the picket change because you didn't want to throw them to the Wolves. But ultimately, Trubisky was so bad and Pickett was decent enough in that trial against the Jets that they're like okay screw it we'll just, we'll just do it now and then they go to Buffalo and you wonder you just hope Pickett didn't get the confidence beat out of him I, I still think Pickens is going to run by Claypool like a, a parked car I know the usage doesn't indicate that although they're much more efficient when they threw the ball to Pickens and, and of course Deontay Johnson no, nobody gets 13 targets in, in, on an offense that goes nowhere in a, on a Sunday <laughs> that like Deontay Johnson does man it's almost like the stats are wrong like they, they, they just add add five to whatever Deontay Johnson has you know add seven you know, yeah. but um, didn't do a heck of a lot with it. Uh, Pick, I think Pickens, actually, if I were redrafting now, the only guy I could draft proactively in this passing game is Pickens. And I know this is very little consolation to the Harris people, but just hope for a big game and then try to trade him. You know, go to somebody who's running back screwed the next week after Harris shows you something you can market and try to get out of the Harris business. You can't do it right now, but if it's eventually he'll fall into a hundred yard game with a touchdown or something that week. I'd be going to people who are running back desperate and don't, and don't say, Oh, look, I'm, I'm looking to trade Najee Harris. Look, look to trade a running back and try to meander your way into the Harris discussion. That's how you do that. But it, it may be hard to do because this Pittsburgh offense, Mike Tomlin famously has not been under 500 his entire career. I don't think this team is savable. I don't think it's now look, you don't want to overreact to a loss to Buffalo, but they just lost to the jets at home the previous week. I mean, there's a lot of problems in Pittsburgh right now, obviously. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, next game up here, NFC South matchup. Bucks 21, Falcons 15. Um, a lot of discussion about, you know, what might be the worst <laughs> roughing the passer call in human history. Uh, but we'll save that for another conversation, unless you really want to hit on it, Scott. Um, no fantasy value in the Falcons today. I mean, uh, Drake London ends up getting seven targets, but was limited in terms of route participation. Um that backfield like Avery Arthur Smith must be loving about the fact that you know in fantasy circles like Tyler Algier Caleb Huntley Avery Williams scores the damn touchdown so uh tough scene there on the Bucks though this was Leonard Fournette's get right game um a lot through the air as well yeah all those targets um Brady throws for three bills but only the one touchdown Mark Sperriotta maybe the rare mobile quarterback who doesn't hold fantasy value they don't want to throw the ball a lot. I don't know what Smith's doing. Of course, a guy, Avery Williams, scores the touchdown. No, Nobody was playing him. Really disappointing game for Converted Drake Converted cornerback, by the way, for a Avery Williams. So this is just another feather in the cap there. When is Ritter going to play? That's my question for you. We've already seen Pittsburgh's already pulled the, pulled the switch. What do you think Atlanta makes the change? Mm, that's a great question. Um, do they make the change? That, I'm, that, that I think, is the, is the appropriate question because – there were times when Arthur Smith, right towards the dawn of the season, was asked, like, how much you know, practice reps is uh, is Desmond Ritter getting? And he was like, you know, I mean, he's always pissed off in all of his press conferences. He's a very ornery fella. Um, 
he was just like rolling his eyes, like saying, oh, this is brutal. Like, come on. Like, what are we talking about Desmond Ritter for? Um, so I don't know if that says anything, but I mean, Mariota, you're right to point out that even, even when you're watching him, like he scrambles around in the pocket, you know, he makes guys miss like incoming pass rushes. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. And then he throws the ball and it's like, okay, well, there goes all the excitement, right? Cause he just not doesn't have a lot of juice as a thrower, not a very like creative thrower of the football. So I don't know that Desmond Ritter is the answer either, but it's probably going to, I think they'll, I think they'll hold out a lot longer because they're like two and three and they're kind of in this whole thing than, than we might like. That's kind of a, a statement on the, the NFL right now where there aren't, there are a lot of teams that are mediocre that have flaws, but there aren't a lot of times we see like, there's like three or four teams that are horrible and then they're already rebuilding and everything. And nobody's that bad. No. I mean, you might've said before this, before this week, if I said, who's the worst team in football, you might've said Houston, they just won. Right. I, you know, we, I, a few weeks ago, I, I thought Seattle might've been a bottom five team. They've been plucky the last few weeks, you know, um, Atlanta has a couple of wins. I don't think the giants are any good. They're four and one for crying out loud. The NFL, I think it's more, it's a whirlpool league this year where it's more towards the middle. There aren't that many great teams. There are a couple of teams that legitimately are great, but there aren't that many of them. Like the sixth or seventh seed in the NFC could be very, very flawed teams. I, again, I can't wait to pick against the Giants once they make the playoffs, which they probably will at this point. But um, I, I just think there's more clustering at the middle. I also feel, I, I don't have any quantification for this, but I feel like there's been more minefields, more bricks, more misses, more things going wrong in fantasy than right. I don't think there's as many right answers this year as there normally are. I, that's just a, just a gut feel. I, you know, somebody could have data that actually proves that that's anecdotal or, you know, every season feels weird in its own way. That's just the way the NFL chaotically runs every season. But I've been struggling to find things I can anchor myself to that I can trust week to week. I feel like there's less of that this year than there usually is. I think part of it is because some of the like clear cut right answers have been quarterbacks, which is rather rare, right? Like, especially in the last few years, it's been so much like just nail running back and wide receiver. And that's what matters. I think, and you know, this is an early season take. So I'm just kind of trying to put my mind around it now, Scott, like I do think because passing games are so spread out mm-hmm. and, yes. and then there's so, that. Yep. there's so much talent at the wide receiver position. I mean, you go down like, I mean, a guy like Elijah Moore is doing nothing for you in fantasy. And I'm like, I swear to I swear to you, he's a good player. I swear to you, he's open on all these routes. And, and he put it in the box score last year. Um, but like you just look at the Jets. We're going to talk about them next. And I probably shouldn't bleed into it. But like the Jets have so many good receiving options and they're not even a good offense. Right. Like and then there are these teams like Tampa Bay have a ton of good receivers and they are you know, relatively good offense. So I feel like that there is so much week to week variance at the wide receiver position and. I maybe that's why I feel like people have been complaining about that more than ever this year. And it's like, I mean, this is what the wide receiver position is now. Like there are going to be so few set it and forget it type guys. I mean, you, you know, people complain about like Michael Pittman catching five for 50 on Thursday night. And you know, that was, I was like, Hey, that might be a win, right? Like that, that if that's your floor game, that's not so bad at this point. That That's a good, bad game. I, th- I think you nailed it with the, the usage being spread out. There's more fantasy irrelevant points being put up that it, it's just, the, the teams use every team has a backfield committee pretty much now, except for just a couple of teams and three wide receivers, such a standard thing. Some teams use multiple tight ends. So it's harder to get. I mean, I came up playing fantasy where every team, every NFL team was two receivers, you know, and maybe use the tight end and the quarterbacks didn't run as much. And yeah, that's, also, cr- that's this- key. The running, the running quarterbacks like that's That's taking like so much juice away from receivers. That's a lone wolf. When the quarterback yeah. runs it, when Jalen hurts runs it in, man, nobody else is benefiting from that. 
And also, this is a really strange shape of quarterback this year, okay? If you went early, if you were brand name quarterback, you got Josh Allen, you're feeling great. Mahomes has been fine. Herbert's been fine. Lamar Jackson, you know, he's dynamic. Burrow's been okay. Hertz has been excellent. Okay. Now it gets rocky. I'm just going off ADP here. Uh, Murray's been okay. Brady, rocky. Russell Wilson, it, it's been really ugly and he's hurt. Dak Prescott got hurt. Trey Lance got hurt. Aaron Rodgers is not winning you anything. Matthew Stafford, it's frustrating to watch him play. And Derek Carr, I think it's been not, not a brick maybe, but a net loss. That's like seven or eight quarterbacks in a row. Middle, yeah. it, we talk about the running back dead zone. This year, it's been a quarterback dead zone. Yeah. And we all thought if you were drafting Brady or Wilson or Dak, you weren't trying to hit a home run. You're just like, oh, well, I got you know good old safe Tom Brady, 35, you know, 4,500, you know, or Aaron Rodgers coming off two MVPs. How bad could he be? Oh, okay, maybe you worried about his support cast. Dak Prescott's always solid. Russell Wilson's got weapons. He's changing teams at the right time. You could have landed on any of those guys and they're all hurting you. Yeah. No, yeah, that's the thing. It's like you can look at your roster and be like, this this is brutal. But then you look around the rest of the league and it's like there's a lot of those landmines there. So uh, we'll keep trying to figure it out. That's for sure. But first, Scott and I are going to take a quick break before we recap the rest of the week five games. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Scott, Jets 40, Dolphins 17. Give us give us the Brees Hall love, man. Yeah, um, shoving everybody out of the way. And, and not just Michael Carter, although Carter got the two, you know, vultured touchdowns, but shoving <laughs> the, the passing game to the backseat. There's the Brees Hall show. Nobody had more than four targets. Wish I had this guy and all of my teams. And I, I talked about following the money. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. I followed the money in the Miami backfield and ended up with Chase Edmonds on a few teams. I didn't Oof, have one everywhere, yeah. but I was proactive on Chase Edmonds. Same. And I should have followed the Mostert, um, Raheem Mostert. And we'll see if he can stay healthy. Look, every running back is an injury risk. So I don't really want to put that on Mostert because anybody can get hurt. Even indestructible Jonathan Taylor is hurt now. But Mostert gets 18 carries. Edmonds gets one. I mean, Edmonds basically didn't play in this game. And then they hitched their wagon to Mostert. I, I realized the game got out of hand and everything. And Miami was down to its third string quarterback almost as soon as the game started. But I, I wonder if Chase Edmonds is a drop now. And I'm afraid, you know, before the season, you talked about, and I thought this was a great take, getting second-year receivers. Elijah Moore is a big part of that. And when his liftoff was muted, I thought, well, maybe it's because Garrett Wilson's so good. And Corey Davis is still here. And, you know, they'll throw to Conklin sometimes. But they played in a way today. They kind of wanted to hide Wilson, Zach Wilson. They didn't throw the ball proactively. And there are too many good players on this offense to not be – if they're not going to give you volume in the passing game, then we're get, we got a problem. And yep. market share is going to tell you – going to lead you down the wrong path here. Because, like, well, market share of what? What's the pie we're splitting up? 25 pass attempts? This is going to be the Brees Hall – with a dash of Michael Carter show. If the Jets and their, the Jets defense has been good some weeks, awful some other weeks, if they can keep games within range, they're going to have Zach Wilson playing a muted version of offense. And that's really bad news if you need Jet receivers. 
a lot of ways we can go there. I'll say just real simple on the Miami thing. I agree with you that like you got to throw dude. Teddy Bridgewater was out of this game before I even got home from from the yeah. FFL studio. Like, OK, I live 15 minutes away from this place. Like I we, we had no shot with the Dolphins there. I do wonder if that trickles down to Mostert at some point. But for now, 69 percent of the snaps, 73 percent of the rushing attempts for this team. Like, I think he's going to be a guy that you're considering and playing. And yeah, I agree with you on Chase Edmonds, a possible drop. The Jets are are more complicated. Because they're, it's like they're too, it's like they're too good, right? There, there's too much talent here, and it, I feel like I've been talking about Brees Hall's air yards per target nonstop for like three weeks now. The guy is average was averaging coming into this game five air yards per target, which is bonkers at the running back position, and he caught two passes for a hundred yards, and those weren't like behind the line of scrimmage, you know, re- and run all the way there. Like he caught a couple downfield ones here. The guy is dynamic and. He looks like the best of a very talented offense. He looks like the guy with potentially the most juice here. And like, I love Elijah Moore. I love Garrett Wilson. And, you know, Corey Davis is a, is a, is a pretty good, like number three. I mean, to have Corey Davis, your number three receiver is very, very good. And just Zach Wilson's not there to be the rising tide that lifts all boats. So I'm going to have trouble trusting any Jets receiver at any point until we see more from Zach Wilson. Cause you're right. It's like two different offenses, the Joe Flacco offense and the Zach Wilson offense. Right, yeah, Flacco set the you know, courtesy of NFL, uh, Evan Silva and Pro Football Reference. He set the record for most pass attempts in the first three weeks of an NFL season. The volume was insane. That's out the window now. In the case of rookie running backs, we always wonder when a rookie running back isn't the clear guy to start the season, but you know he's eventually going to be quote unquote the guy. When does he spread his wings and and just say this is my backfield? Obviously, Hall has done that. He, he probably did it before this week, but this was the emphatic you know the here I am now entertain me moment. So. Yeah, Hall. If I were redrafting, Matt, I think you could take him in the second round. I really do. Yeah, I, I wish I had him on more teams. And you just kind of so have I. to live with the live with the fact that Michael Carter scored the t- those touchdowns. And it's a little extra tilting that Brees Hall was on the field with Michael Carter when he scored both those touchdowns because they do put those two on the field together. But like, just take all of the good that you got out of Brees Hall there and try not to be um, too greedy with the whole thing. Moving on, uh, next game here, Vikings 29, Bears 22. This game feels pretty simple. Like the Vikings guys did what they're going to do. They had their big games. Really the one interesting note here was uh, David Montgomery returns from injuries and just puts Khalil Herbert right back on the bench. You know, regardless of what you think about Khalil Herbert and how good he is, I mean, David Montgomery goes right back to playing his like workhorse role here. Yeah, I wanted in my contract. I didn't have to talk about the Bears, but I guess that's still being negotiated. So yeah, yeah, we're not we're not a, from what I've heard, Scott. Their management is still working on that. Here we are. Um, you know, Cole Komet smashed with forty five yards. Uh, you know, on everybody's waiver wire, Montgomery got there in the passing game with a cheap touchdown. Uh, they couldn't run on my on Minnesota at all. It was frustrating. The Vikings got the late two point conversion to make this game a push because I felt like the Bears should have covered. Let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook looking healthy, getting a couple of touchdowns. And we're getting the just the last two weeks we've gotten the Justin Jefferson we were promised, right? Okay, here are the Rams coaches. Let's I mean he's not the same player as Cooper Cup, but we're gonna basically do Cooper Cup things. We're gonna prioritize this guy. We're gonna be proactive with him, creative with him, and we're gonna target the heck out of him. And that happened in London. It happened this week. And, you know, if you were redrafting, I, I think Cup would have to go first, as much as I it just makes me nervous to dip my toe into that Rams offense, but Jefferson clearly the number two receiver in fantasy right now, and you could take him before Cup if you wanted to. And, and Kirk Cousins in a year where there's so many quarterbacks who aren't playing well, I know Cousins. Well, if you watch a full Cousins game, at some point you're going to be frustrated. But he's he's a plus quarterback. He's one of the ten best yeah. quarterbacks in the league, and for fantasy, that's good enough. 
I still think you could have Diggs over Jefferson. Yeah, and I think that could be okay. You could, but, you could. Um, yeah, yeah, I bet it. But he's oh, those three guys. I think are the only ones in that consideration. Anymore. Diggs is so good. We don't even talk about him anymore. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, we, we Diggs. Whole, yeah, Bill's he's, game. We just, he's great. He's great. We didn't even mention him. I think once. No. Yeah. Well. Man, that must be good to be that good. All right, next game up here. Titans 21, Commanders 17. Oh, Scott. Oh, God, yeah. I mean. <laughs> we were texting about this one. <laughs> we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott and I were texting about the fact that in our bold predictions piece, like, you know, Scott says Curtis Samuel's going to go off against his Titans team that can get beat deep. You know, I'm saying, oh, no, yeah, I I, I love Curtis Samuel. I, Scott's right about that. But Terry McLaurin is going to go off and freaking Deami Brown must have taken uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's shade from earlier this season personally. Goes out, two catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Sheesh. With a minuscule, yeah, sheesh, right? To, to quote the great Ian Hartitz, a minuscule <laughs> route participation, right? It, it wasn't like they, they made this a priority. He was just a specialty guy who ran just a few routes. They hit on those plays. Obviously, Washington couldn't run the ball. Nice to see Brian Robinson just on a football field, but he didn't do much with yeah. his opportunity. They barely gave any chances to Antonio Gibson. So, you know, I don't know. You can be wrong for the right reasons. You can be right for the wrong reasons. I feel like we had a good angle to attack Tennessee, but I don't know how you come up with Deami Brown. And, and because, but here's the thing. They hardly used him this game. They hit a couple of home runs with him, yeah. but they're going to get Dotson back in a couple of weeks anyway. I, I wouldn't even bother picking up Brown in no. a league. I think it's just one of those things we'll laugh about. Oh, remember the week Deami Brown, you know, had two touchdowns when we were promoting every other Washington receiver the side of Art Monk. Just one of those things. And, uh, you know, Tennessee, it's it's basically Derrick Henry and nothing else. I, I was hoping maybe Robert Woods would do something this week. He didn't. Not nothing playable. Uh, the big play went to Westbrook Akini, who isn't fantasy viable. It's another team. They're very well coached. They have a decent defense, even with some of the personnel they've lost. I mean, Lindry was a big hit, but once they think they can salt games away, it's going to be okay, Derrick. Uh, how do you feel about thirty touches today? Good. All right. That's how we're going to win. We're going to win playing nineteen seventy seven football. So there's not. The, the Titans could end the season. Again, Vrabel's a hell of a coach. They've circled the wagons. They're three and two now. Maybe they'll end, be in the playoff discussion or win that division. But they're still going to be a bottom five team for fantasy because there's one guy you can play. Yeah. Um, 30 receiving yards for Derrick Henry. He's been making big plays in a passing game. Yeah, it, this is a thing now, I think, at this point. Thank God it is a thing. Uh, it needs to remain that. Robert Woods got a little banged up in this game. Uh, keep an eye on that. They really can't afford more injuries in the pass catcher department. You know, um, this was a game where Wentz was trying to Wentz this game away so hard. And just, I I think with, with Washington, you know, really struggling from a record standpoint, I, I I wonder if they ride the whole season with Carson Wentz or if they, they you know, try out Sam Howell, who had a nice preseason rookie fourth rounder. Um, just, it stinks because there is so much talent here in Washington, but we're at a pretty predictable ending point, which is the the wheels are kind of coming off the Wentz wagon here. There's a lot of ch- – you think what changes could they make? Um, I, I still like Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator. I don't know how solidified things are for Ron Rivera. I don't think Ron Rivera is a great coach. I think he's a solid coach, though. I thought he was actually a good hire for the team when they really needed a culture change, which, of course, they still need because they have one of the worst ownership situations we've ever seen in sports history. I mean – 
that that yeah yeah Let's they fixed the nickname do. that's great the stench of the ownership is still here and did they fix they, the nick, did they fix did they fix well the nickname? i mean <laughs> it's not it's not offensive anymore it's just dumb yeah they went from an offensive yeah. nickname to a great generic nickname to a dumb nickname so that's yeah. uh, is that progress i don't know but they're Fun. obviously one of the worst run teams in sports and i and i feel bad because i have some friends who are the thing one of the things about the washington football team which i prefer to call them is the people who grew up as Washington fans, whether you grew up in that area or you're, you're somebody like Matthew Barry who just became a Washington football fan, you're fans for that team for life. They, they have such a yeah. loyal fan base and they're so frustrated. They're, they just want to blow this whole thing up, man. They don't like the stadium. They hate the ownership. They hated the nickname. And I, I just feel like Washington's been in the ride. I mean, they, they had that moment, right, with RG3 and, my, and Shanahan and and you know, RG3 gets hurt in the playoff game and that all went wrong so quickly. Um, you know, I... You deserve better, Washington fans. What can I say? Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, all right, next game here. Texans 13, Jaguars 6. Look, the Damian Pierce show just keeps on going, man. 29 touches in this game, 113 total yards. Um, he's pretty much iced Rex Burkhead at this point. Um, that that That's a right answer, Scott. That's like a, hey, I didn't get all like, freaked out by people laughing at me because i was buying into the preseason too hard that was just you know what following a steady drum good not getting not yeah he's good man like he he looks these these numbers he looks that good out there yeah you know he pierce really won me over. I, i was already in pierce's corner but he really won me over last week when they were way behind against the chargers and they still prioritized him so that showed me okay he's not gonna get scripted out now, what ticks me off, Matt, is last week in the bold predictions, I was all about Travis Etienne, and I was all about, look, this James Robinson thing. I know the comeback story is great, but it's built on a lot of long runs, and a couple of long runs where the, just the, the defense wasn't there, where anybody would have, any competent running back would have probably scored a 50-yard touchdown. I'm happy that Robinson's made the comeback. I've always liked him as a player, but he's not special. He's, just, he's kind of more of an ordinary talent. And I thought, okay, they're going to be behind in the Philadelphia game. This is a clear spot for ETN to get a bigger role. The offense, they didn't do it at all. He ran routes and stuff, but he hardly touched it. And I know Lawrence was terrible in that game, and and Trevor Lawrence has hardly seen rain in his whole life. And so maybe that was part of the narrative. So I've been telling people all along, you get to sell high on James Robinson. And then some reasonable people, like my friend Joe Dolan, is like, well, wait a minute. Don't you want to get that Houston game first, and then you can really sell yeah, high? I, I, thought, yeah. I said th- I said the same thing. Same thing, I'll wear sure. That one too. And you know what? That was perfectly reasonable, plausible take. And I backed off and said, "Yeah, I'm still thinking selling on James Robinson, but wait, because here comes Houston." So what happens? It's the ETN game. Not that ETN went bonkers by any means, but it certainly showed the 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 seeds were were planted where he could be their featured guy or their more efficient player. And you know the chances of getting ETN for a song, which you could have a week ago, that that's going to change now. And what you could have gotten for Robinson may have changed. You could have even, if you did sell him last week, you could have even used this Houston game as an enticement. So I feel like I had a good ETN Robinson take last week. It didn't play out. It looked stupid, as a matter of fact. And so I did what anybody reasonable would do. I backed off it. And and now you know what I thought was going to happen ended up happening. So um, you you frustrate me, Jaguars. I'm also not sure. We, we gave Trevor Lawrence a mulligan, right? He had the worst coaching and everything went wrong in Jacksonville last year. We, we couldn't find out anything about Trevor Lawrence. And when he played pretty well in September, he wasn't you know marvelous or an MVP candidate, but he, I, I thought, okay, here we go. Doug Peterson's good. The receivers aren't bad. Kirk, Kirk's working out. After the last couple of weeks, especially against the Houston team, I know they're scrappy and everything. They're still one of the weakest teams in the league. I don't know about Trevor Lawrence. Where, where are we standing on this guy's future? Because I, I thought... I'd be more confident in Trevor Lawrence right now than I am right now. I really don't know what to make of this guy. 
Yeah, I think he's been good, not great uh, so far this year. And I definitely think it, it's worth, I've said that on the podcast a couple times, I think it's worth saying that he's, this is basically his rookie year, right? The first year he's getting NFL coaching. Like you said, you kind of got to give him a mulligan for last year, but just like also keeping in mind that the effects, of the, the trauma of the Urban Meyer year will continue to, to live on. Um, however, that being said, this was a really discouraging game today. Um, you could kind of say the whole rain thing last week. This one, I don't know that he's got like a baked in excuse. And I thought what was interesting in uh, Mike Sando's QB tears article that he does every year for the athletic. So good. There was a, which is a great, yeah, you should read it. Every Mike Sando's year. terrific period. Read everything. Sando yeah. writes. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, there are a few folks that he, you know, surveyed. If you're not familiar with the article, um, welcome to football media. But like, uh, he basically surveys like high-ranking people in the league and like puts ends up putting quarterbacks into tiers or whatever. Geno Smith, the lone member of tier five, I think he's going to move up uh, this year. But basically, what I thought was interesting was there were a lot of folks that he there were at least a handful of folks that he surveyed, including the piece that were kind of like. I'm not going to give Trevor Lawrence a mulligan for last year. And in fact, like I, I, what I saw last year was enough to like make me sell on the idea that he has any sort of future as like that guy, like the best prospects since Andrew Luck, like, which I thought was interesting and kind of counter to the, to the narrative, like that we just said. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that maybe, yeah, we, I don't want to write off Trevor Lawrence or anything like that, but maybe he's, Maybe he levels out as a good, not great quarterback. I do think that's possible. Yeah, I wonder how much of his success at Clemson might have been built on hitting the easy button with guys being really open. And, and yes. his mobility played a lot more in college than it does in the NFL. There's just certain stuff that he could run in college that isn't he's not gonna he's not gonna be Jalen Hurts in the NFL. He's not gonna be the the best version of Kyler Murray in the NFL. And I'm I'm concerned. I'm I'm concerned. And also yeah, I was ready just to think that Christian Kirk was an automatic guy. And if I have concerns about Lawrence, Kirk now is I'm backing off a little bit on him. I thought he was emphatically a right answer a few weeks ago. Now I think he's more of a, yeah, I'll field your Christian Kirk start sick question on Sunday. And I hope I get it right. Yeah. And the only reason I, I say all this stuff with Trevor Lawrence, like, and I, I'm willing to say too that like I like Christian Kirk, but like come on, they're they're playing like the the ghost of Marvin Jones, like Evan Ingram and Zay Jones. Like the offensive line is not perfect. Like the running game is a little hit or miss. As good as James Robinson has been in fantasy, it's not like he's been a like steady, consistent runner on a on a rush by rush basis. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, when you're billed as like the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, like Andrew Luck got into the league and like from gear from from snap number one, you're like, oh yeah, like he was doing stuff. With like Donnie, remember when Donnie Avery was like his top receiver, Scott? You know, and 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 they still went to the playoffs. They were still a great team. So I I just I think that's a good question to bring up with Trevor Lawrence. I'm not writing him off or anything like that, but it's at least worth like kind of raising an eyebrow at it. There's a difference between first round quarterback and number one overall pick quarterback. When you when you nail the number one when you take the number one pick as a quarterback and it was Trevor Lawrence proactively. It wasn't like oh there's nobody good to take. I guess we'll take Trevor Lawrence. I mean it was like tank yeah. for Trevor. Right. Yeah, There's a whole yeah, season yeah, yeah. of, oh, what are the Jets doing? Don't win that game. You're going to miss out on Trevor Lawrence. And now we, here we are. We don't know if Trevor Lawrence is good. And Zach Wilson's got all sorts of growing pains. The the Trey Lance discussion keeps getting put off a year. It's um, it's <laughs> yeah. not satisfying. Let me just leave you with this. Rest of the season, who would you take, James Robinson or Travis Etienne starting now? I'll go Travis Etienne. I was very concerned about Travis Etienne. Uh, and yeah, just with Trevor Lawrence again, I think we agree he's good. I 
it's just whether is he going to be great, I think is kind of where I'm at, at least with Trevor. Yeah, Lawrence. we probably um, line up there. I, I, I'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but maybe he's not going to be. Oh, we just set up our franchise for 10 years, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, hey, hopefully people got up and set their fantasy lineups for this London game. Scott, you know, show yep. a little personal responsibility. Giants 27, Packers 22. <laughs> uh, where are we at with this? these two weird teams here, man? You know, every week I've been asking you and, and other Yahoo people, you know, is there a right answer in the Giants receiver room? I guess not. Should I be stashing no. Tony? Should I be stashing this guy, that guy? And Darius Slayton, who I just assumed the Giants had given up on and decided he wasn't any good. He was part of that, you know, my Nikhil Harry PTSD draft. He was drafted in the sixth round, had a good rookie season. He's done almost nothing since then. Six for 79 isn't cause for a parade, but I mean, he was their best receiver today. And I don't know, man. I, maybe maybe he's got I, – I play in some deeper leagues. I play in some 12-team leagues with multiple flexes, some 14 and up leagues. I'm kicking myself for not having Slayton, although maybe how, how could you feel good about the uh, the Giants passing game? You know, the Packers, I said last week, I thought they were moving to a core four, the two backs, and then Lazard and Dobbs. And and so what do they do this week? They get the Randall Cobb rejuvenation game where he, he looks great. And man, what, what do the Packers do at halftime? When, when things are going great for this team at halftime, they, they just want to unplug, man. And they didn't score in the second half and they blew a 17-point lead. I, I thank God I didn't have a survivor. I may have had a money line parlay with them, which was kind of a square dumb play, but they frustrate me, man. I... I feel like I had some confidence in the Packers offense last week, although they almost lost to the Patriots. But um, the Giants defense is is ordinary. In a wink, Martindale's their coordinator respect. But um, the Giants look more splintered down offense than they did a week ago, and that concerns me. Oh, yeah. So many places to go here. Um, I'll, I'll go Giants here at first because I'm glad you mentioned Darius Slayton. Uh, he was third on the team in routes uh, per dropback, uh, 67.7%. Um We'll see if he continues. This is—it's weird that Terry was ahead of him? like uh, Marcus Johnson, and I. Well, he was tied for second with the great Richie James. Uh, by the way, for uh, they have. 30- I, I would dare even Giant fans to name everybody who ran routes for them. I mean, these—you know—David Sills the the, the the fifth. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not over David Sills the the fourth yet. You know. <laughs> He got David Sills got hurt, and that might have been the only reason. That, Chris like, Myrick. Uh, I, I don't even know what Chris Myrick is. is. He a receiver, a tight end, a fullback. He's a tight I, end, I don't. I okay. Think. I admit, I don't know anything about Chris Myrick. If you came here for Chris Myrick intel, I'm going to fail you. Dude, I, I think this is the most bizarre offense of all time. The Giants offense. They're four like, and one. How are they four and I one? I know. How are they four and I know. one? I mean, Greg, you played the Bears and stuff, but beat the Packers. That's a good pelt, man. Yeah. Oh, dude. And like Brian Dayball was fired up after this game. I think I think a lot of it is Dayball. You know, we talked to Saquon Barkley on Eckler's Edge, uh, and, you know, it was all about like the culture change part of it. I think like. This is definitely, by the way, every single one of these games, every single one of these wins for the Giants is like going to be a referendum on NBC's Jason Garrett on uh, the Patriots, Joe Judge, by the way, because this is not like a markedly different roster, right? Like, I mean, they've got Barkley back. That's awesome. But they're playing with a quarterback who they declined the fifth year option and no one fought them on that call, by the way. And like these goofball receivers, like. Like I say the term goofballs all the time. Like this is the goofiest of goofballs that we've ever seen here at this wide receiver room. And I mean, like all their name brand players are hurt or not playing or not playing well. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's bizarre. And like it, even Darius Slayton's a guy that they tried to like get off the roster. Like they tried to shop him. They tried to, you know, barely play him. And he's got to be a feature part now. So the Giants are very, very strange. But it, it all comes back to Saquon, who has been awesome this year. Missed a little bit of time in this game. Still played on 67% of the team snaps. 
and was electric. Uh, so that's great to see. The Packers, man, I, I, I think you're right that they're a little bit of a bizarre team as well. How do you feel about A.J. Dillon right now? Six carries, 34 yards, zero targets. I kind of feel like the emergence of Dobbs, the emergence of Randall Cobb with 13 targets in this game. Um, and Alan Lazard still has his role. I kind of feel like the emergence of those three from a clarity standpoint at wide receivers kind of hurt like the upside of A.J. Dillon, who, you know, Rogers said he was going to get him 50 catches this year. I'm not so sure now. Yeah, I was shocked to see the running backs not used in the passing game. Dylan literally not used at all and only three targets for Aaron Jones, which is just not a good idea. They need to get, they need to get back to hitting the easy button, which is Aaron Jones should have three to six catches a week. And AJ Dylan can catch it. He doesn't have to catch it, but he can catch. I know he didn't do it at BC, but when green Bay has asked him to do that, he's been perfectly fine there. They made a mistake. I think going away from that, especially you talk about some of the goofballs they're throwing the ball to. I, I just don't understand it. Um, the, the Packers are frustrating. LeFleur is a good coach. I get it. And they've been a team that's outkicked their their metrics the last few years. They've won more games than they're supposed to. But eventually, Rodgers is going to be more he, towards the average level of quarterback play. He doesn't have special receivers. There's nobody really to drag him here. I don't think Lazard's a bad player. Dobbs has been pretty good for a rookie. They had Cobb flash today. But there's nobody. They don't have somebody who they're going to throw a 10-yard slant to and he's going to house it. That guy is not on this team. And the best, the most talented offensive players they have are the running backs, and they didn't use them properly today. I think they'll actually fix that. I think LaFleur's a good coach. They'll do some self-scouting, and you'll see those uh, running backs more involved in the passing game going forward. Next game up here, Patriots 29, Lions 0. Uh, the Lions carnival really came to a screeching halt here, Scott. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on the Patriots for a second. First of all, like most teams, they should wear their throwbacks. Their throwbacks should be their main uniforms. The glorious oh, so red yeah. Pat Patriot. They even had the Pat Patriot logo at midfield. It was terrific. And he'll he'll never admit this, but Bill Belichick loves this Patriot team because he's got a little <laughs> bit of Bobby Knight in him where he wants, yeah, he wants to win and everything and be decorated, but he wants to be decorated because it's him and not his players. And what does he have right now? He has a, a pretty anonymous receiving room. He's got the third-string quarterback playing. He's going to defense. He almost stole the game at Green Bay, which would have been a great win for Belichick. And then this week, you know, they beat the Lions pretty easily. Shut them out, in fact. First shutout since the Jacoby Brissett's first start. Shout-out to my friend John Greco for that one. But Belichick, I think he really likes this team. He thinks I think he thinks he can sneak into the playoffs with this team. And you know, Zappy, man, Zappy's look solid. We've always said about Jacoby Myers, he just needs more touchdown equity. Well, he got touchdowns today. I don't, I don't want to read into the backfield usage because just when you bury Harris, he's likely to get 17 carries next week. But this week was the Ramondre show, and I don't know if Harris maybe could have gotten dinged up in this game. The he thing did, with yeah. The, he got a hamstring injury. Right, that's right. That's right. I, th- I, thought yeah, that was, yeah. I thought that might have been the case. The thing with the Lions that made me nervous, and even last week when I was you know banging the drum for how fun their carnival was, is that the schedule really got a lot harder in the second quarter of the year. Patriots, it's the Patriots aren't, they're not the 49ers or the Cowboys, but they have a plus defense and they certainly have a plus defensive mind. And there's more tricky matchups down the road for Detroit. I think what's going to happen is Detroit's going to hit a speed bump in October, kind of fitting because it's all constructed in the Detroit area. It took me like 45 minutes to get uh, out of the city the other night. Should have been a 10 minute <laughs> ride. Not fun to drive in Detroit right now. I think the Lions might hit a, a, a bit of a patch. Of course, they get the buy this week. They need it. Yeah. Buy low. If you can't, try to trade back into the Lions maybe in two or three weeks after they get through the teeth of their schedule. They're, today is not who they are. I mean, maybe they were riding too high after the first four weeks, but today was just wrong team, wrong time. I still feel good about most of the Lions on offense. 
Yeah, I'm on Ross St. Brown. They said he was going to be on a pitch count. He was on a pitch count. Like, that's a guy I would love to try to buy low on if that is possible, um, just from the frustration angle. And into I their bye week. Into their bye week. This is when you do it. If yeah. the St. Brown manager is one and four, he, he may be incentivized to make a trade. It's a great call. Great call there. Always love to play that little psychology. I feel like we kind of have to revise our Patriots take, like you said, Scott, because this thing is kind of getting narrowed down. The backfield by injuries, right? Like, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, like if Damian Harris, if Damian, let's just say Damian Harris misses the next two weeks, where are you going to rank Ramondre Stevenson? Uh, you know, we got matchups, whatever, but like, where would you rank him on like your weekly rankings? Don't even ask point? me, starter. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. Like, he's going to, and Bill Belichick was pretty effusive about like praising, um, Stevenson after this game saying like I'm so glad we have this guy like all this stuff so and, and, and Belichick, Belichick compliments one of his own players like like once a year you know right he compliments the guys on the other teams all the time but his all own time. players forget it 13.3 targets per route run for uh for Ramondre Stevenson too I mean obviously only two for 14 but that's pretty interesting you know he's again they're not playing with their starting quarterback yeah he's so good and Jacoby Myers dude I like Jacoby Myers is the best good receiver that nobody cares about um, I, I know that you always make fun of the like, no, everybody's talking about everybody. People need, to, I mean, for God's sakes, people need to talk about Jacoby Myers more. 95.5% routes per drop back in this one. Devontae Parker, weirdly, I was looking like, did he get injured? Something like that. 40.9% routes per drop back, zero targets in this game. Um, welcome to the Devontae Parker show, by the way. Like, have you have you missed the rest of his career? This is kind of how it goes. Um, Myers is just a good player. And if he's going to score touchdowns, man, like, I think he's a guy that could get into like the I don't know every re- every week wide receiver three discussion for Jacoby Myers because I think he's a good he just gets open and catches the football man yeah good good catch radius understands spacing uh, I I don't have the metrics you do I would think he'd probably be really good against zone because he's such a smart receiver yes, he is yeah. I'm I'm gonna probably regret saying this I'm in no hurry to get Mac Jones back I want to see more of Bailey Zappi <laughs> is that crazy oh boy um. Maybe a little bit crazy, but uh, people were definitely like, I uh, saw the signs uh, from the stadium, like, don't worry, be zappy. You know, the whole like, uh, there, there are some folks out there. I'll tell you what, he's got, it, so. he's got what Cooper Rush has where he, the moment doesn't look big for him. He doesn't look intimidated by anything. And that's, that's so much of the position is just not wetting your pants in the pocket, right? And having that poise, that pocket awareness, that presence. Yeah, I know it's no, the look the Lions, the worst worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, so the let's take and, and they he played with a lead. He played basically in a hitter's count the whole game. So, but I mean, I think he quit himself very well in the Green Bay game, and we do respect the Packers defense. So I don't know. I mean, shoot, if he's gonna even just level out as their long term backup quarterback, maybe they can finally just move Brian Hoyer to the offensive coordinator role or whatever. Like at this, which he's probably better suited for than backup quarterback. Well, maybe I want to talk about Bailey Zappi because it's just gonna depress me to talk about the quarterbacks in the final game we have to talk about. Fair enough. Let's move to it though. 49ers 37, Carolina Panthers 15. Um, we knew the Panthers were gonna get their get their <laughs> We knew they were going to get taken to the woodshed. They get, did get taken to the woodshed here. Um, I asked during the game, is it is it possible to relegate just one side of the ball for, for a team? Like, Because I kind of want to show some respect to the Panthers' defense. Like, I I don't think the Panthers' defense is an, is an easy matchup for the Rams next week, right? I, I, I think that the Panthers' defense is pretty good. They've got some dudes over there, and I, I think Phil Snow does some unique stuff from like a coverage standpoint. Hey, that offense is just you knew they were going to get rocked by the 49ers and they did again shout out to our buddy Schwab we were texting after the game 
And he said, if Matt Rule's still in charge of this ship next week, he might have to play PJ Walker. Not that anybody has any hopes for PJ Walker, but Baker Mayfield looks unfixable. Yeah. And at least, yeah, like there's garbage time. You, you know, Walker's six pass attempts don't mean anything because you know the, the Niners just wanted to get on the bus and all that. But well, Mayfield's they, in a walking boot, by the way, after the game, so they yeah. might have no choice. They might have an excuse, right? Well, I think at this yeah. point that Rule just has to start pressing buttons, right? He has to, you know, we used to uh, we used to play softball, and our great left fielder Kevin Adolph, when our pitcher Larry Holt was getting hammered, he'd yell out, "Hey, Holty, whatever you're doing," and he'd pause. He'd go, "Do something different." <laughs> and that's my thing to the to Ben McAdoo and Matt Rule. You know, whatever you're doing, do something different. If it's PJ Walker, I Matt, I'm looking forward to maybe Sam Darnold playing again. That's how much I know. Mayfield yep. depresses me, and I take no joy in this. Remember, I, I mean, you and I were both very proactive on DJ Moore, and I'm still. I don't think it's DJ Moore's fault, but Baker. I don't know if just the confidence was beaten out of him, or maybe he just wasn't that good, or maybe he doesn't take it seriously enough. I don't know what the problem is. I just know that, and of course, the Niners have a great defense, but Mayfield looked terrible against everybody. On the flip side, uh, man, Jeff Wilson just he came out pounding early. He beat his props very early. He got a touchdown. I had that long run tackle at the one, and I like it when they reward the guy by letting him punch it in on the next play. Yeah. But the, but the Niners, man, there's just never going to be a lot of volume in a lot of these games where the defense wins it. Garoppolo throws 30 passes. Nobody gets that much in the target game. He's, Debo bails out with a touchdown, you know, with the touchdown deodorant, but he gets no volume. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of a tricky team for fantasy because they have a lot of good players, but they're going to win. What was it? 24-9 on Monday, 37-15 today, but this had like a 24-10 feel to it. There's a They got a really cheap touchdown late because Carolina justifiably went for it late in their own territory and just kind of gave San Francisco some gift points, but I don't think for one thing, Ayuk, I think is really hurt by this and I don't really oh, trust yeah. Kittle week to week. Who, no. who, who, he admits I'm a football player. I, I don't really care about my stats other than Wilson and Debo. I think everybody else is like a half step behind where they're going to be because the defense is so great. I mean, this is easily the best defense in the NFL and they know it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, man. I mean, this is just the same old 49ers that we've, you know, kind of known for the last two or three years has a limited ceiling, despite how good these players are. And I mean, Jimmy too, like he definitely locks on too hard to Debo. It was very apparent in this game, nine targets, two catches. Like you mentioned that total touchdown deodorant um, locks on to like the check down to uh, from, from the running back perspective. It's just, uh, it's, it's depressing. Cause like there's an alternate universe where Trey Lance was, you know, at least going to, change things up who knows if it would have changed things for the better or or the, the much much worse we'll never really know the answer to that but um yeah i think the 49ers like we start the running back like you know um guys like kittle and guys like uh Ayuk have big ceilings but they don't really have trustworthy floors and you know debo is like De- who debo is he's a great great player who can break every single model but there are going to be days like this where he needs that touchdown deodorant i wonder who wilson becomes for fantasy and by the way, nobody saw Tevin Coleman coming in and getting actually carving out a significant role. But I wonder who Wilson is in fantasy when they get Elijah Mitchell back. Great question. Probably nothing. <laughs> I mean, don't you think they just you think like, they'll go right they, back to Mitchell? I, I don't know. I, I wonder if they did last year, right? Like that's did. what has me kind of kind of kind of pause. Like you would imagine that they wouldn't because this keeps happening with Elijah Mitchell. They like run him into the dirt. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, it's always tight. It's a little difficult when you were trying to aspire uh, uh, logic to Kyle Shanahan sometimes with the running back stuff. But um, yeah, I, I would suspect nothing, but I kind of hope not because I think Jeff Wilson has looked really good this year. Like looks much more like 2020 Jeff Wilson when he was healthy than 2021 Jeff Wilson when he was not. He'll get what's blocked for sure. 
and he and he may he falls forward you know he's he's an easy back to watch because you, you stay ahead of the down and he makes good decisions. He, he picks his hole and he, and he goes to it and certainly fits the Shanahan profile of a running back. Never going to be great, but I, I enjoy watching Jeff Wilson play. Me too. He's been a huge win if you just went aggressive for him on waivers in week one. All right. That is going to do it for us. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, Make sure you follow the at Yahoo fantasy account to become better fantasy player and improve your weird little timeline out there. You will not regret it. That's my guarantee. Andy Barons will be back tomorrow to guide us through the weekly waiver wire. I have to decide which regal title he will wear tomorrow. But until then, we're out.